in the roles that I was playing in society, I was not comfortable expressing my feminine side to the point where I even dressed in a more masculine way and and had all of these these things that I did where you know I, I went out for rugby with the guys even though I hated playing rugby like I didn't actually enjoy most of the things that I was doing but that was what let me fit in that was Lex Ellens and this episode is all about the group hello welcome to the recover yourself podcast i'm your host martin john the recovery mentor and on this show we address topics you'll face on a journey to recovering yourself. We are all about expanding the definition and scope of how we understand both addiction and recovery. I'm interested in doing this so everyone has an opportunity to recover themselves. This way, no matter where you are on that journey, there is a place for you here. We are surrounded by groups. Society is a group, our families are groups, friends, school, classrooms, your job and subsets of your job, like the teams that you work in, all groups. All that, and we haven't even gotten to AA yet, and this is a podcast about recovery. Lex Ellens has spent the last 11 years in the military, is in recovery, and is a sober advocate for mental health. Like me, she has a passion for helping people learn to love themselves in every area of their lives. One of the core concepts to my Recover Yourself work is that we have to be aware that we are constantly inundated with information from others. One of the interesting things about that is that nobody would tell you what to do if you had no association with them. So odds are that if you do find yourself in a position where other people are telling you to do stuff, you're probably connected by some sort of group. Even if that group is based on something fleeting, like you happen to be on the train at the same time, or something more concrete like family, or even abstract like yourself. Under those circumstances, you're looking at the person you used to be, the person you want to be, and the person you are. Groups, no matter how they exist, have guidelines, sometimes written, sometimes not. Lex and I are only able to scratch the surface of groups today in this episode, but suffice it to say that when we're held to guidelines, we're not able to be our complete selves. That is not to say we shouldn't join groups, but like all relationships, we have to come first. Lex, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. I'm really thrilled to be here. Yeah, and I'm, I'm thrilled to have you. So you're uh, you're in the process of uh, leaving the military, but also uh, you're in a recovery process. And what is your relationship to the group that you focused on during recovery? Uh, so I have a couple of groups that I've become a part of during my recovery process. I started out in a 12-step program, uh, and I do still have one foot in the door with that. I still have a sponsor. I take on a couple of sponsees, uh, and I do still work the steps. But I've kind of branched out to other recovery modalities, including uh, Recovery 2.0. I love the fact that they combine the um, the all-inclusive aspect of uh, their their 12 version of the 12 steps, um, as well as the fact that they include meditation at the beginning of their meetings and stuff like that. Um, and I also run my own recovery support group once a week where we dive into all of the things included in our recovery programs outside of just our 12-step fellowships. So we talk about things like self-care, um, about the mind-body-spirit connection, um, and we kind of dive into an approach where we are programming other modalities into our recovery, not just uh, the foundation of the 12 steps. Yeah, and that's such a big and that's such a big part of what recovery yourself is all about. And so that's why I'm really excited to chat with you because all too often we get stuck in a model that the group presents for us. 
And you having been in the military and having had substance abuse issues, I'm sure groups have, you know, been prominent in your in your entire life. Can you talk a little bit about how your trust for a group maybe has taken taken your trust for yourself away? So uh, in terms of my own experience with 12 step groups, um, I found my first introduction with AA and I kind of dove headfirst into it. It was like, I, I need to just soak all of this up. And where I hit the pivot of realizing that it wasn't going to be enough for me is when we got forced into isolation because of COVID. And all of our meetings got canceled. And it took a little while for that transition to using Zoom meetings to happen. Um, and I didn't know what to do with myself. I had absolutely no idea how I was supposed to sustain my recovery without meetings. And that made me panic a little bit and realize this can't be the only thing that I'm using in my recovery. This isn't enough for me to stay sober. If I have meetings all of the time, sure, I can hit a meeting every day and manage to stay sober, but I'm living out of fear rather than out of trust in myself. And that really hit home for me again when I was in treatment because I was given this, um, this format that they wanted me to follow for my recovery plan for my discharge. Um, and it was just a couple of pages. And a lot of it was what I'm going to do if I relapse, what I'm going to do if, you know, this happens or I have a slip. And it was all very fear-based. It was all, you know, what are you going to do to prevent yourself from drinking? And I wanted so much more than that because it was like, that's not enough for me. I don't want to live my life just not drinking. That's not enough. I want to actually live my life. The whole purpose of getting sober was to get the clarity to figure out who I am, figure out how I want to live my life, and actually fully show up for it. If I'm focusing all of my effort and my energy on, I'm not going to have a drink today, I'm not actually instilling any trust in myself. And that was something that I really realized when I went to sit down and write my recovery plan. And I flipped it all around. I created my own structure for that recovery plan. And I decided I want to build a, a life map for myself to say, this is how I'm going to live my life sober. And that included all the things I wanted to do with my day. You know, my meditation practice, my prayer practice, um, community. I think that community is such a huge part of recovery. Um, and it's you've been able to see the impact of it with this pandemic this last almost year. Um, I need connection in my life and getting it from a group where they have a set list of rules and guideposts for how you live your life isn't enough for me. I can follow rules. I've done it for the length of time I've been in the army, <laughs> 11 years of following rules, no problem, but I don't enjoy it. I like mm -hmm. to actually show up as my true self and be who I am. And when I fit myself in one specific group and I, I dedicate myself to one specific group, whether it's the military or AA or whatever it is, I limit myself. I put myself in a box and say, this is how I'm going to live my life and everything that, that isn't this is wrong. And I didn't want that for myself, either in my recovery or just in my life in general. I wanted more than that. Um, and that was why I made the decision when I was offered a medical release from the military, I took it. I said, yeah, I'm, I'm in, I'm ready because I don't think that I can do that job and stay sober long-term. I'd be white knuckling it. I'd still be pretending to be somebody else. I'd still be putting on that persona every day and showing up and pretending to be the person they need to be to be. 
And I just don't want to live my life like that anymore. Yeah, there's a lot of parallels here, right? Like you're, you're in the military and uh, you drink because you want to fit in. And then you get into rehab and then you don't drink to fit in, right? Like to follow these rules. And, and this, this is a real problem all around us, right? Like this isn't just recovery based. This isn't just military based. I'm, I'm, I'm super excited to talk with you about this because you have this military background and because military is probably the most, the most group group that you can think of. And, and being yourself is just an act of defiance towards that group, right? Like to speak against AA or to speak against the group when you're in AA is, is a difficult thing. And what are some paths you had to take to get you through? What are some like thought processes that you had to process? And what were the things that made you more you and not kind of fall back on the ease and comfort of the group? Well, I love that you called it an act of defiance because it's exactly what it has felt like this entire journey. Um, and it has been uncomfortable and scary. And there's been days where I almost didn't want to follow through with it or show up as myself. Um, but a few of the big moments that I've had were um, I, I took a, a real hard look at how I was actually spending my time and what that time was bringing to me, whether that was bringing me joy or not. And I realized very quickly that um, I don't like to hit multiple meetings a day. I don't like to fill my calendar with only recovery stuff and, and really have that main, be my main focus because it's the foundation that I build my life on, but it's not my whole life. And realizing that has been a really big piece of it for me was I think at first, probably about six months in, I started to get recovery burnout because I was attending way too many meetings. I was listening to all these recovery podcasts. I was just constantly consuming all of this information. And I realized that I had to flip that around and take an approach of creating things in my life before consuming, not starting my day or, or starting the focus of my day with consuming other people's content. I had to shift that around and focus on self first thing in the morning and create a morning practice. That has been like the biggest game changer for me. Um, and I had to realize that if I want to stay connected with myself, I have to constantly work on that relationship just like I would any other relationship in my life. You know, I, I don't just lose contact with my best friend and hope that everything's still okay. You know, I won't go weeks without speaking and then be like, oh, hey, how's it going? Because that's not going to build that relationship and we're going to lose a piece of that. And it's the same thing with myself. I have to show up for myself every day and check in. Hey, how are you doing today? How are you feeling? What do you need today? What, what can we create? What's on the agenda? Mm -hmm. And I do that in a relationship with my higher power, uh, which I don't necessarily have one that, that word for. My word for my higher power is interchangeable. Universe, God, doesn't matter to me. Um, it's all just the energy that created humankind in my mind. Um, but fostering that relationship and the connection with myself has been really, really key. And then the other piece for that, that I think getting out of the fear mindset was learning that I could trust myself. And in order to do that, I had to constantly show up for myself and record it. I did a lot of journaling over, uh, especially this first year of my recovery. I did 
journal almost every day. And I looked back on that when I was having those days when I didn't trust myself and I was afraid that I couldn't succeed and just actually believed that I could stay sober and do the things I wanted to do by proving to myself by looking back on a regular basis. Okay, so can you speak a little bit to this idea of like, what am I going to experience within a group in order for me to understand like that I am still an individual? So I think that in my own experience so far, it's been that I have to pretend a lot when I'm in a group. doesn't matter what group it's in. I try not to ruffle feathers. Or sorry, I should say I used to try not to ruffle feathers. And it was one of those things where I craved that validation that came from succeeding. I was an over, I'm a recovering addict, recovering perfectionist, recovering overachiever. I'm in recovery for many, many, many things. And every group that I have been in over the years has enforced that, has enforced that model of perfectionism and pushing beyond what my actual limits are. And I got addicted to that as well. I craved the validation and attention that came from, look at me, I can fit in, look at how good I'm doing measuring up to your standards and your, your role for me. And it was really what got me by for a really long time until it felt like it was starting to suffocate me until it hit that point where I couldn't actually function properly. I didn't know who I was. I didn't know what success looked like for me. I spent so much time trying to achieve the success model that other people had placed on me and that society and groups had placed on me that I didn't have a clue what I wanted. And I made chaotic whirlwind of my life in the process of trying. I've been married and divorced twice. Um, I've moved, I think, 33 times in 32 years, something outrageous like that. Like I just kept bouncing from one thing to the next to the next, trying to have it all, trying to fit in. You know, I, I have to have this house and this car and this job and all of these things. And I hit a point where I had all of that and I was still miserable because I had no idea who I was and I checked off all of these boxes that other people had for me. And then I was, I was still drinking my way through my uncomfortable feelings because I didn't love anything that was in my life, including mm. myself. Yeah. And I had to really hit a point where I realized that my view of happiness was so much more important than somebody else's. And that in order to actually find happiness and joy and peace in my life, I had to actually show up and be myself because what I was pretending to be wasn't getting me anywhere except rock bottom. So groups, um, like we had talked briefly about groups having this masculine energy. Today, that model of masculine power dynamic is, is, is cracking under its own weight. Can you speak to um, the differences between the group, like living within a group versus living within yourself? Uh, so I spent most of my life living in my masculine energy. 
And I was proud of that. I wore it as a badge of honor because I was like, look at me go. I'm a woman in a combat trade and I can be one of the boys. Look at me fit in. And I just pushed and strived and I did really, really well. I, I topped two of my career courses, which as the only female on the course is not usually very common. Um, and I, like I, that actually still might be a record at the school. I have no idea, but, uh, my masculine energy served me really well in succeeding, but because I was pushing so far in one direction, I eventually ended up burning out. And I think that we are finally getting to a point as a society where we're realizing that it's not working. We cannot push ourselves that hard all the time long-term without severe health risks to that. You know, having this epidemic of people suffering from addiction and mental health issues right now and chronic illnesses that we are putting so much stress on ourselves by trying to live in our masculine all the time because that's what society has told us we're supposed to do, that we're burning out and we're falling apart. And that's exactly what ended up happening to me is I pushed so hard in my masculine energy for so long and just I pushed my feminine down because I was embarrassed of it. In the, the roles that I was playing in society, I was not comfortable expressing my feminine side to the point where I even dressed in a more masculine way and, and had all of these, these things that I did where, you know, I, I went out for rugby with the guys, even though I hated playing rugby. Like I didn't actually enjoy most of the things that I was doing, but that was what let me fit in. And I disconnected for so long from my feminine side that it kind of came back full swing when I did decide that I was going to uh, let that masculine energy go for a little bit. And the way that that showed up is that um, I, I got rid of all structure. I stopped uh, having any kind of hierarchy in my life, which it's dangerous, I think, to live too far into either one. It's supposed to be that balance. You know, we talk about yin and yang, masculine and feminine, whatever it is that we actually want to call it. It is meant to be in balance. You know, we need the structure of the masculine in our life in order to be able to remember to show up for a meeting or go get groceries. But we need the feminine piece in our life as well to be able to nurture and to love and to care. And not saying that men can't have those qualities because masculine feminine energy has absolutely nothing to do with gender whatsoever. I think that that's a big misconception that makes people uncomfortable talking about this. But I think that we're now at a point where so many people have burned out by trying to fit into that role that they realize there's got to be another way to do it. And, you know, people like yourself having this podcast and people out there uh, leading with feminine business models for the first time and showing people, you know, you can have a four hour work week and still succeed and make a ton of money. Or, you know, you can live this way and be able to have time with your family. And we're getting to this point where people are craving that connection with their feminine side. And I know that's what happened to me is that I pushed so hard for so long that I was craving that connection with my feminine. I wanted to be able to feel things again, to be able to connect deeply and to care about other people rather than being so career focused and, and just worried about, you know, where's the money going to come from next? Right. How do, how do groups fit into your practice today? So today I have a few groups that I'm still a part of. 
Um, one of them being the alumni community from the treatment center that I went to. And it has become the foundation of my uh, recovery meetings because it is a very fluid and very feminine approach to uh, how they go about the structure where it, you know, crosstalk is encouraged, open communication is encouraged, talk about anything relating to your recovery or your life. Um, and that is what's in alignment for me now. The ability to dive into topics that other places people aren't comfortable talking about. We can do that in this group. So I have kept uh, a few meetings a week for myself that I really, really love. Um, in terms of other groups outside of that, I don't feel like I belong to very many right now at all. Um, I'm in a weird limbo position with uh, the military because I'm not actually physically working right now, but I'm still waiting for my medical release. So I technically still belong under the umbrella of the military, um, but I don't actually go into the office anymore or show up for work. So it's, um, it's been a weird place to be because I'm ready to let go of that piece of my life, but I'm still attached to it because I have to be until that process happens. Um, other than that, because of COVID, uh, I haven't really engaged in any other groups lately. You know, I'm not, I'm not jo out joining a book club or a sports team or anything right, right, like right. that. So um, I, I don't have very many in my life because I went from, uh, I basically went into recovery and then COVID hit. So the only connection I've really had with people are the people that I went to treatment with or the other people um, in that recovery community because of social distancing. So I'm kind of curious to see how I go about that in the future. Uh, it's going to be an evolving process and a journey. But I do know that one thing I'll do if I decide to branch out to other groups in the future is to really find out what their values are and to really look at, is this the right fit for me? Do I feel like I belong here? Or do I feel like I'm going to lose part of myself if I try to be a part of this community? And really asking myself those questions before I decide to get involved with any kind of group. We have to be able to understand there are two things at play. We're, we're us and the group is the group and we can be part of the group and, and we don't, um, we don't have to just be the group or to, you know, like mm -hmm. uphold the desires of the group and the stigmas and the uh, assumptions and judgments and all of that. How, how would you kind of help somebody or see, help somebody see that they, uh, or, or become aware of the differences between your group mind and your mind. That's um, something I've had to consciously work on even just for myself uh, because I used to be a chameleon. I would be one person in one group, one person with my family, but just bounce around from whatever persona I had to, to wear. Um, and I think it comes down to showing people how to actually discover themselves whether that's through working with a coach, working with a therapist, um, a journaling practice, whatever it is, you have to be able to know who you are to be able to decipher what your beliefs and thoughts and values are from that of the group. It takes a lot of self-awareness 
and self-confidence as well to be able to speak up and say, this is who I am. This is what I believe in. And I find that if I don't have a regular practice, like a daily practice of meditation and stillness and journaling and really taking that time to connect with myself, I can quickly get wrapped up in the group mind. I can find myself having thoughts and having no idea where they came from and then realizing these aren't mine. These are not my beliefs. These are things that I'm picking up from people around me because that was a really big habit of mine for a very long time. That was ingrained into who I was. It was like, when you are at work, this is who you are. When you are at home, this is who you are. When you're out with friends, you're a whole other person. And I had all of these roles that I played for so many years. It took me a long time to actually break free of them. And if I don't have that daily practice of connecting with myself, I can really quickly shift back to that mentality of this is who you should be versus this is who you actually are. Mm -hmm. And those, that's a, that's a razor thin line when we are in a group, especially if you are uh, embraced by that group. I mean, I don't know how many people I have offended by having not been to an AA meeting in double digit years, you know, 18 years or something, mm -hmm. you know, like, I've had people, you know, I tell them I have, oh, I got 18 years, haven't been to a meeting in 17. And then they side eyeball me and they're like, oh, my God, like, you're going to slip up any minute. I was like, bitch, I got 17 years. I'm good. Like, like, you know, um, so 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 here I am, you know, I'm, I, I, and and that person doesn't know that they're judging me at all. They have no clue. Like, and the reason they don't know is because it is so common within the group to to do that that it's not judgment and it's not like in their mind it, it is it is brought in like this you're helping she believes she's helping me by giving me that side eyeball mm -hmm. and 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 this is the sort of thing that we as individuals need to be able to get away from because you as an individual can't judge anybody but once you're part of a group Judgment is now I have now I have the backing of other people. Now I have the backing of society. I have the backing of AA. I have the backing of the military to tell me that I'm right in doing this. And so um, thank you for chatting with me all about groups. <laughs> <laughs> I actually have one thought on that that, that came up. And it's that I think that when you get to the point where you're offending people and you're ruffling feathers. And I might ruffle some feathers by saying this. That's a good sign that you're actually figuring out who you are. Because the, the real me, the authentic me, the not trying to people please and pretend to be somebody else version of me, the true me, I regularly piss people off or ruffle feathers or offend somebody because I'm not everybody's cup of tea. And I never will be. Like, I am who I am. And not everybody's going to like that. And when you get to that point where other people are reacting, sometimes in a negative way to who you are, it's actually a sign that you're being who you really are a lot of the time. Because if I'm people-pleasing and pretending to be someone I'm not, then everyone's like, yay, go you, look at you go. As opposed to, well, I don't like that point of view. But, but that's okay. We don't have to agree. But this is who I am and this is what I believe. And I've had that happen a lot 
in those decisions that I've made in this last year to really embrace who I am and to, to step away a little bit from the group. I've ruffled a few feathers, but I am who I am now. <laughs> I'm going to ruffle your feathers. <laughs> um, so I, I agree with that early on. I, I do. I, I think that you you have to try things on. And sometimes trying things on means means your pendulum swings a little further than it need to. And like you said, the last year, you've been, you know, early in your sobriety, you're kind of doing your thing, you're trying to figure your shit out. Um, in doing that, I would suggest, and this isn't bad by any stretch. Um, I just think that the statement that you're going to piss people off is a little, a little off base only. And this is just my experience. I piss people off, but I wasn't being who I was. I was finding who I was. Um, because when, because like someone asked me this about two years ago, they were like, has anybody like, do, do does anybody get mad at you? And I'm just like, mm. like, I don't, I don't know. Like the last time someone got mad at me was, you know, like, like a couple years ago or whatever. And, and the reason being, and the reason that I think it is, is because I can be myself completely right? I'm not trying to be myself. I'm not trying to find myself. I can be present in this and I can say, oh, no, that's not for me without having to make a stand. Mm -hmm. I don't have to make a stand. I don't have to be right. I don't have to have you hear me. I can just do what I need to do without it being attached to anything about my identity. I think when, when, when we start to get away from groups and when we start to try and define ourselves, we turn to our lessons and our lessons have been from groups. I think over time, as you, as you kind of discover like that, you don't, I, I, I want to be careful about saying you don't have a voice because you do, but that voice is yours. And, and, and when we, when we, attempt to be heard or when we attempt to have other people agree with us um that that's always a that's always a sticky thing because like see i'm i mean even even this like even this kind of back and forth like i'm i'm in in my mind you're not upset that i said that like you're not like you you hear it you hear it because mm -hmm. i'm being me i'm being like you know what i disagree for this reason and because i'm i'm not trying to prove anything I'm saying like you're in your you're you with well within your right, but here's my experience, and it's like when we can get to a point, you know, like I'm not saying you're not there or whatever, but like I got 20 years and I've been doing this for a long time. Like there's a lot of differences here, and and in my experience may very well be very different from how however you experience, but but when I can just sit here and be like, nope, this is how I see it, and it's not there's no threat, there's no threat whatsoever. I don't feel threatened by your belief, and. I would hope that you don't feel threatened by mine. And we both kind of like can, can now symbiotically grow and contribute to the whole. And that mm. is being you, right? That is how you help everybody else. It is not by being right because there is no right. There's no right. Man, yeah, right. And the interactions that I have with people with that, it's, it's not a matter of, of being right it's just a matter of saying that this is who I am yeah. and knowing that the people that don't resonate with that are not my people right. and it, it's helped me to discover 
who my my actual true groups and and true friends are because the people that love me exactly as I am are the people that need to be in my life. And I totally agree with the pendulum thing because I feel that anytime that we try to make a big drastic change in our lives, like leaving a job or entering recovery or any of those major transitions, we tend to swing the polar opposite direction Mm -hmm. of what has been our norm and then learn the lessons from that and then end up somewhere back in the middle in that, that comfortable balanced ground. And I think I'm finally Thankfully, the pendulum is getting closer to middle. Yeah, it's a little more comfortable. And 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 it's never it it a pendulum doesn't stop swinging. You know, and there's no there is no there's no there's no destination. Too many of us, and this is this is a group problem. The group wants you to reach a destination, and when you reach the destination, it'll pat you on the back and it'll do everything that it can to get you to continue to stay in that group. But there is no destination. And the minute that you believe there's a destination, the minute, like, even when I work with people one-on-one, like, I always tell them, look, there's no, there's no end here. Like, this is your work. And this is what you will continue doing for the rest of your life. But you have to just continue doing it. And it's not that there, there is, I get too many people that say, I've been doing this for a long time. I don't care if you started yesterday or if you've been doing it for 15 years, like, you're still where you are. There is no where else to be. So it's not, it's not that like you aren't going to have more work. It's the same amount of work always. There's never less work because you've done some. And there's never more work because you haven't. It's just work. Ebbs and flows of life. That's it. There's nothing, there's nothing. It's just, it's just enjoy the ride. Yeah. Lex, thank you so much for joining me. I'm really glad that we, we were able to chat. Me too. Thank you so much, Martin. Absolutely. I want to thank Lex for sharing her growth with us. This episode does paint groups in a bit of a bad light, but if you're interested in recovering yourself completely, the group, any group, cannot dictate who you are or what you should be doing or thinking. We all align with certain aspects of groups, and without groups or communities, we would be scattered to the wind. So I don't want this episode to state that groups are bad. Actually, they're essential, but they're only a part of our journey. Groups and communities and every relationship we have are all about learning about ourselves. When we do join a group, we may be in those groups forever. Well, that isn't likely. But if it's true, are the ideas of the group more important than our own? Or are our ideas just reflecting those of the group? It is important to be curious about our actions. Without adding awareness to them, we can get caught up in living lives that we have little or no interest in. Now you can find links to contact and learn more about Lex and what she is doing in the description of this episode. Please rate and review this podcast or leave comments for this episode to help me better create helpful content. Support this show at Anchor.fm or support me and my work at Patreon, where you will get access to unedited content as well as writings and access to supporter group portrait sessions with me. I host workshops regularly, which are both open to the public and are a source of continuing education units for professionals. I also take a limited number of one-on-one clients every month, so contact me through martinjohn.com when you're ready to work together. I also accept financial support through Venmo at martinjohn underscore Garcia. So if you benefit from listening to this content, please consider supporting my efforts. Thank you for listening to the Recover Yourself podcast. And until next time, keep recovering yourself.